Hooley. On the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. And Doug wrote the story that they are uh, actually using football and people's love for football to motivate people to wear masks. Yeah. Their stance is, if everyone wears a mask, we'll have football. So if you don't wear a mask, you don't want football or you're trying to imperil football. I'm seeing everybody wear a mask. I want way. a season is the Twitter hashtag right. from uh, Lieutenant Governor John Husted. Mm-hmm. I want a season. Hopefully we'll have a season. I want a girls' Florida soccer too. season. I want a girls', girls soccer season. season, too. We're practicing, but uh, we don't know if we have uh, clearance to actually practice August 1st. Big day yeah. coming up. Scrimmage scheduled uh, August 6th, so hopefully uh, I'll get to watch my daughter. Other fathers will get to watch their daughters play, and parents will get to watch their sons play high school football. They will not get to watch them in California. They've moved it back to spring, and in Texas, they'll have to wait to watch them. They're going to wait a month. Moving it back a month in Texas. So that's the latest updates on the high school sports front. Nothing from the state of Ohio yet. They are... uh, I'd probably follow suit, to be honest with you. Move it back a bit. Yeah, I I don't know if it's going to do any good. I mean, what's the point? I think, you know, if, if the news, it seems like to me that... You know, more people have the antibodies. Maybe we're closer to herd immunity, and mm-hmm. that's a good thing. And we can yeah. start uh, living behind um, the cloud of fear on every decision that we make. And again, that's not preceded by or admitting responsibility and understanding and respect for what's out there. But also, you know, what's one? Does one month really make a difference? And if so, where's the data that backs up that one month really makes a difference? Maybe. They're in connection with people that understand that there's a supposed vaccine, according to your doctor friend, yeah. coming out in October, and maybe people feel better about that. So it's kind of a wait and see like we've always been, but the NFL continues to move on. Uh, interesting news and notes out of the NFL is yeah. that there's pre- zero preseason games. Well, um, that'll make the players happy, won't it? Depends. I'm, I just, I'm glad you asked that question because... Okay. I came in prepared to talk about that Good. from a broadcasting point of view and from a player's point of view. Let me first uh, say hi to everybody. It is a Wednesday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. You can always uh, submit a question to us at Podcast at gmail.com. Okay. By the way, I did an interview with Clay Hall on my thoughts on college football. I saw you made headlines last night on the uh, SYX Twitter that uh, college football we must play. We'll get to that. But your yeah. thoughts, first of all, in the NFL, um, no preseason games. Well, for, as a as a player, as a rookie, uh, I would not have been ready to play in the regular season That's true. without Good the point. NFL. Um, You've told the story many times. It's about the worst your first, game I've ever played. First preseason game, yeah. and it, up in Cleveland, uh, no, and after that game, I really had an issue with myself and wondering, can I actually play this game? Mm-hmm. Am I good enough to be an NFL football player? And it's the first time in my life I've ever questioned my ability. Wow. To play, I bet that was something. It for was. You. I mean, it was humbling. Knew, yeah. it, it was at a crossroads. That the following week, we played the Seattle Seahawks, and I remember having a conversation with myself. I remember it clear as day in the bowels of the Silver Dome. I was in a back hallway, and I laid on the ground, and I said, "This is it. This is this is it. Either you're made for this, or you've been fooling yourself your whole life." Wow. Uh, I went out and played really well. Uh, third game I played really well the last game I played really well I knew I was ready so now do, do you credit that to the proverbial game slowing down or did you learn so much from your first game I can't imagine you made that big of an adjustment I think, I think for me it was I didn't start the first preseason game and so the first time I not started it's just a lot of things I was young mentally uh, I didn't. I didn't get into a groove. I didn't get to play until the second half. And did I you have any inkling? Try to do too much from practice. Did you have any inkling from practice that wow? I mean, you've made the no. point before that offensive linemen were bigger, better, in sync than you'd no. seen before, and all. But no inkling going into that first game that that you would play like you played, or that you no. would be not prepared to play like no. you had played. No, I had. I was playing. I felt very confident. Did you feel lost out there, or what was it like uh, when you tried didn't play to, well? I tried to play too fast and just not doing anything, just trying to run around. And it's almost like when you get on the golf course, I guess people can relate to this, golfers can relate to this, that 
you know, you start having 10 million swing thoughts yeah. going through your head and you can't even take the club back. You yeah. know, it was, it was kind of like okay. that, but it was okay. the opposite of where instead of slowing everything down, I sped everything up. And so uh, then, you know, I worked whatever out and, you know, the rest is quote unquote history. I think as a, as a veteran player, uh, I don't think you need to do that. Uh, I do think there's going to be an adjustment period where the play might be a little bit sloppy. I do think the guys the time that Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray and all the other quarterbacks that took the bull by the horns uh, did not um, bow down to the faces of fear to not go and work out together mm -hmm. and worked out together are going to be in a, at an advantage I think the players coming to new teams and learning new systems, there's going to be a growth period. Even though they're great players, you still have to learn how to basically speak a new language. And I think the teams that have a system in play, a quarterback that's been there, sure. have an early advantage. Although I wouldn't put anything past a guy like Tom Brady. But I do think the coaches and teams that have a whole new administration, organization, from coaches to quarterbacks – it's going to be tough because the one thing that's going to be lacking is reps. And I might have read this wrong, but as I understood it, uh, there's only 14 practices until the first game. Oh, now, my rookie year, rookies came in uh, a week before, the veterans, and that's back when there were two days and three days. So we had, you know, 14 practices within five days or six days. Yeah, sure. With 20 more days of camp to go. So we'll see. Well, I think, you know, veterans like it. Guys trying to make a team will hate it. I mean, I'm pretty hard to make it in practice. I mean, I just, you know, particularly now, there's this combination of the players' union has negotiated out of the NFL, the two-a-days, three-a-days, hitting, all that stuff has been negotiated out. The way you'd impress, the way you'd respond to what used to be more game-like conditions in practice than now. I think it's harder. Wouldn't it be harder for an undrafted free agent or for yes. a low-round draft pick to make a team now you than it would it, be before? You cut all, the guy, all those guys that were um, undrafted free agents uh, that we always hear the stories every single year. There's, you know, probably 10 stories of UDFA sure. making it, or at least on the practice squad. 90 guys. So you're cutting 10 guys. So you're cutting... 320 guys to start, 32 teams, 10 guys per team, automatically before they even get a chance, sure. which is disappointing. Now, I would advise those guys to, to stay in shape because who knows what's going to happen and you know you might be on a team for two weeks. My hope is that they expand the, the, the practice roster, hopefully uh, 19 players. If you have the practice roster at 19 players, which would make sense if, if you're anticipating having to replace some guys – at least they're in the building and getting getting some work. So everybody has to make the adjustment. The good news is, unlike one, my rookie year, the good news is everybody's playing under the same set of rules here, right? So Sure. The other uh, thing is going to be very – I just think you got to be very efficient in everything you do. There's not a lot of room or air for mistakes. That's right where I was going. I mean, it, it puts a premium on every aspect of your organization, scouting. I mean, it's really going to allow GMs – to differentiate themselves from other GMs because how you scout these guys in college who weren't, you know, top round draft picks, top couple round draft picks, you see raw tools in a guy, really like a guy, you're going to bring him in. You'll still have guys who went through camp, uh, I guess, with teams and will have some awareness of the system if you have to bring them in off the street. You know, we assume we're going to have guys test positive for COVID, and I assume they won't be allowed to play on Sunday. Right quarantined and all that the ncaa has set its protocols for that and uh i think i don't what are they i i have not heard okay Maybe so i do over. have news on that yeah so yesterday i was reading a story by dennis dodd of cbs sports a guy chris and i both uh i think have a lot of respect for i sure. do for dennis Dennis' wife is a cancer survivor and dennis is a guy we've known for years and years and years um does a great job i i don't agree with the uh, statements made by the sources in his story, but that's not on Dennis. He's just quoting the guys in his story. He quotes a couple epidemiologists and doctors that, um, you know, the NCAA's protocol right now is they're going to test players or players are going to be tested. What they're requiring, they're not doing the testing. It's the schools that do it, 
Okay. And we've talked before about the economic realities of a Bowling Green versus an Ohio State are totally different. Big Ten's eliminated non-conference games. So the Big Ten has some degree of certainty that other the only schools that will be playing this year theoretically will have closer to the same financial resources across the board. I don't think Rutgers has the same resources as Ohio State. Nevertheless, Rutgers would come closer to having the resources of Ohio State than Bowling Green or Miami or OU or anybody like that. Okay, so what the NCAA is requiring schools is to test within 72 hours of a game. Okay? Mm -hmm. The point Dennis's experts made in the story is that within 72 hours, let's say that back times it to Wednesday night, you test negative on Wednesday night. Thursday, you could go to a party. Friday, you could go to a party. You could go to class. You could go wherever. You could pick it up there. You have it. You haven't been tested before kickoff. You go out, and you become a super spreader because you now have it even though you tested negative on Wednesday. Um, the ideal is to test right before the game. problem is that's expensive, and I wanted to know how expensive is it. Finally, Dennis finally provided the good information. 120 tests they believe would cost a hundred grand okay um, my deal on this is if you want to play if you got to have the TV money if you got to have the you know the sport and I I'm an advocate of having it you have to devote that money to do the testing mm-hmm. you just do uh, but here are the other protocols that I think are interesting a positive test, by a player means you're out, you're quarantined for 14 days. That's not how the NFL is going to do it, but go ahead. If you are, and I can't imagine any player will confess that they were in this situation, but if you are within six feet of someone for 15 minutes or more, and that person tests positive, even if you test negative, you are quarantined for 14 days. Yeah, see you later. So if you're here's the only way I think a player would would admit to that or a school if they how much you're on the honor system here let's say okay so let's just paint a scenario. Uh, Brian Hartline, Ohio State wide receivers coach, tests positive for the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me that every wide receiver on the team, even if they test negative? is going to be quarantined That's for 14 days. They're going to play a game with no wide receivers? That's just not That's the NCAA yeah, rule. That's the NCAA they don't know thing. what they're doing and they're trying to CYA everything, which I understand. I mean, you don't want to get sued. I get it. And but if a position coach tests positive, I don't see any way you can have any player at that position on your team according a to that solution rule. To that. And I guarantee you they're not doing don't test the coaches. <laughs> That's, don't test the coaches. I'm no, I, I don't think they're testing now. Don't test the coaches because they know if I'm if I'm playing this game, playing the system. Hey, if you're a coach, you ain't getting tested. Now here's a way around. If it. you're sick, no, this is my way around it. If you're sick, don't come in. But you ain't getting tested. Well, I don't think that's a way around that they want to admit. They're not testing oh. the coaches. Here's a way you could get around it. Your players' position meetings could take place virtually. Heartline could be on Zoom, and his players could be in the same room. But again, by the same token, if Chris Olave is in the room, and Chris Olave tests positive, then every receiver in the same room as Chris Olave is out? That one to me is a crazy. You can't have a sport that way. Here's the other one they have. If you test positive, but you are asymptomatic, no symptoms, no fever, no body right, aches, no anything. Most young people are. Yeah. From my You're out for ten days. You have to quarantine for ten days. So under those rules, I don't see a way they can have a season. Are they how often do they plan on testing people? Once a week within seventy two hours of kickoff. Mm-hmm. Once a week within seventy two hours of kickoff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I that doesn't make any sense. The coach thing you get away with. You just coaches you ain't testing. Yeah. That's how you get away with it. I mean, I suppose every position meeting could take place with everybody in a different location. 
Because you could argue that if Olave tests positive and he's out on the practice field, that wouldn't mean that Garrett Wilson and uh, G. Scott and Julian Fleming and all the other wide receivers were within six feet of him for 15 minutes or more. No. Because they'd be elsewhere on the field. Right. But if you put these guys in the same room for a position meeting, according to that rule... Is that a rule or is that a proposal? That's a that's a that's a guideline by the NCAA. Here's here's where we have to get, and here's where we will. I can't envision us getting here, but here's where we have to get. And Chris and I have said this from the start: you've got to play through this. You've got to you have to make your decision: are we playing? Or are we not playing? If you make the decision we're playing, then. It's head down, full speed ahead. We'll deal with the consequences. The problem with that is you're exposed to a lawsuit if somebody gets sick and dies, and that's the scenario that Greg Doyle of the Indianapolis Star posed yesterday. You tried to uh, send me his column. It's behind a paywall. I couldn't get it, but I know that it made some degree of national headlines last night because Laura Ingram, uh, I saw a tweet this morning that Laura Ingram was talking about it on the um, on her show last night, and her tone toward the story was here's another panic-stricken sports reporter la 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 well it seems to be a rash of them running around it does seem to be a rash of them running around um but look i, I the worst case scenario is a college football player gets it and dies mm-hmm. and that's a horrible horrible reality we all want to avoid to uh College football players die of anything else it throughout the year? It happens. Possible? Yeah. yeah. Jordan McNair, Rashidi Wheeler. Normally, it's heat stroke at this time of year. When, you so know, the hopefully per- not even one a year. Of percentage of chances in life, I mean, eventually we have to take some risk, right? Life, yeah. is, life is not minus risk. Life is full of yeah. risk. It depends if you want to live or you just want to exist. And oftentimes we base the risk on what the percentages are of us uh, not getting hurt or not having any negative consequences. Mm-hmm. At least I do. And I look at the risk. Okay, well, if I do get it, what's my rate of survival? Speaking as a college football player, well, my r- rate of survival is 99%. Okay, out of all the people, do some people get really sick from it? Yeah, but you know the percentages still favor me. Uh, the percentages of young people making a full recovery, a quick recovery, and I have no underlying conditions, are still pretty high. So I will sign a waiver like I already do sign a waiver for concussions. Mm-hmm. And I'll sign a waiver for COVID. The question that was posed to me by Clay Hall, Channel 6 yesterday, and I did an extensive interview with Clay. Some of it, not a lot of it played, but there's, I, mean, I don't know if he's going to put the full thing up or not. I think not, it's a two-parter, I've been told. Yeah. Uh, the thing with, well, you know more about it than I do. Right. The thing with Clay, and Clay brought up, the, what about the 340-pound kid with asthma? You know, Well, and my answer to that is, is, and like I told you, you know, kids go through an extensive physical when they come in. Yeah. They test everything, sure. right? They have to. And the doctor's job is to present this could be a possible risk if he were to um, get covid because of his size. Um, and so then it becomes down to, okay, well, you don't pass the physical. Well, and there's many guys throughout this country, college, NFL, high school, that doctors don't let them play or strongly advise that they don't play because mm-hmm. they don't pass the physical. And now they might pass the physical another year, but this year, because there's an underlying risk, if they do uh, contract COVID, that they wouldn't be allowed to play. If the doctor says that's your decision, then that's if the kid's 21 years old, then that kid can make his own mind up and decide whether he wants to take that risk or not. If he's under 21, I'm assuming then that kid um, will have to sit down with his parents. And as a family, they have the freedom to choose, hopefully still, whether they want to play or not, depending on what the university decides. And if the doctor says, no, he can't play, then the university will side with the doctor and you will let the kid play. Every time. So we have to, you know, you have to, I, I just don't understand the, the mentality of, as far as I know, death is undefeated. 
except it lost once. Lost once. It lost Big once. loss for death. A big loss for death, and it, it cost him the season. Yeah. It cost him the game. <laughs> it cost him the game, yeah. But still, it still fights, and it's still undefeated. Sure does. And and so, you know, uh, and, and I'm not minimizing risk or anything like that, but I, I'm just asking people to to think about, okay, how many times in your life do you understand, you evaluate a situation, then you make choices and decisions based on what you want to do, mm-hmm. the freedom for you to choose, getting on a motorcycle. If you get in an accident on a motorcycle, uh, I think your chances for injury um, are much more uh, are higher than if, for example, my daughter and her boyfriend were in an accident last night. And a car that hit them, the front end was completely totaled. Thank God everybody is okay. She was in a Jeep Rubicon, and it had a couple dents on it, but it flipped them onto a yard. Oof. And so very scary, right? Absolutely. So it made me realize last night after thinking about all that, you know, Every time one of my kids gets in the car, they take a risk. Yeah. And well, well, the percentage, the percentages are that Audrey was not going to get in a car accident last night, but she did. But she did. Yeah. The percentages are. I mean, so that, that's why I, I, I'm I'm having such a difficult time wrapping my mind around the fact that you think. We can protect ourselves from everything, and we can't. Why did my thirty-year-old wife get cancer? Why did Tom Ryan's five-year-old yeah. son die of well, a I heart mean, attack? I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah, what are we doing? So that's why, when I say this, and I get well, we don't we don't want to spread it. Well, if you do have it, then do like my family did, who experienced firsthand COVID. You take all the precautions. So you don't spread it. I, I don't understand what we're doing. I, I still, I, I don't, and I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way. I, I'm curious. Yeah. I, I think you do. I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like there's something, something is not being told to me because when I read this stuff, I guess I don't understand what the the big fear is, because we were told not to overwhelm the hospitals. Uh, a nurse I know very well works at Mount Carmel Hospital. They have 13 COVID patients, no ICUs, no ventilators. What are we doing? To my knowledge, no one has been in need of a hospital bed anywhere in the United States or a ventilator anywhere in the United States and been denied that because there was such a demand that there were none available. So what do we, so I don't understand what, what am I missing? What I want somebody to please tell me. So the, so I'm I'm just going to have this conversation with you because I, I, then I'm forced to say to myself and I know people don't like this, but I got to ask myself, why, are we why are our teachers hiring lawyers to write wills cuz they uh, they're afraid they're going to get covid and die that'd be the obvious answer but there was a study out that not there's not been one reported case yeah i don't think teachers typically are over the age of 80 or 70 yeah and that's where ninety four percent of the deaths are. So, but so, and why are teachers not wanting to report t- to their job uh, w- w- when you have grocery store workers, truck drivers, doctors, nurses? Uh, so- I can only go off the editorial in the New York Times yesterday from a teacher who said. Uh, don't put me in a situation where I could be exposed to a virus that I then take home to my family. Okay, then don't put yourself in that situation and Look, through, I, through I, your collective bargaining, either sit out the year or don't teach. I mean, if the school has the means, some will and many won't, let the teacher who, if, let's say you have a, te- a teacher who's a breast cancer survivor and then they have a justifiable fear. Let that teacher zoom in, put a proctor in the room, a College kid, student teacher, somebody like that wouldn't. I don't think that costs. I don't think that costs the school anything. That's a great idea. And then then the proctor can handle the in class discipline and things like that. 
and the teacher zooms in. The teacher teaches to the students via Zoom rather than have the students zoom in. That seems to be more practical practical than having all the students at home and you don't know if they're going to call in. You don't know if they're going to call in and it's leave the room. Did something the New York Times suggest that? No, 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 no. Oh, I was going to say. No, wow. I didn't suggest that, no. Is I'm that saying, your like, idea? Rather, I've heard that idea voiced. Seems makes makes sense to me. Tweet that out because that makes a lot of sense. Now, um, now again, it's like everything else. If you have an underlying condition, I said, because I started this podcast, and as we say, every time we talk about this pain in the rear end topic, <laughs> every time we talk about this, it doesn't mean you don't treat it with the respect that it deserves. Yeah. Both but you and I are mask if, wearers when we're out If you have an underlying condition, then don't put yourself in a situation, and yeah. it just goes to, like, the college players. Look, if you're in an uh, atmosphere which you could pro- have a chance to get COVID, then you stay away from your grandparents and you stay away from somebody that has an immune deficiency problem. You stay away from them. It's not yeah. that hard. That's your responsibility. That's not Ohio State's responsibility. Look, it's, it's all risk management. Um, for instance, as Chris was talking about, you know, Audrey in the car accident, the odds are if she gets in the car, she's not going to be in an accident. But she was. We fly, when we fly to Phoenix, we fly Southwest Airlines. The odds are we're not going to get in a plane crash. But when I was home and my family was in Arizona and they're on Southwest, which to my knowledge has never had a plane crash, Southwest Airlines, mm-hmm. ever. Well, you can, I still prayed for my family's safe return because you can look at it two ways. Southwest has never had a crash, so they're never going to crash. Right. But that's really not, not practical. Eventually, a Southwest Airlines plane is probably going to crash because planes crash. Yeah. And I'm just hoping and the risk, the numbers, the stats, the percentages all in my favor that if my family's on a plane, a Southwest plane, it's not going to crash. Mm-hmm. But eventually one will and they might be on the one that does. Yeah. So it doesn't mean we drive to Arizona because it takes four hours to get there in a plane. It takes three days to get there in a car. <laughs> so uh, we're willing to take the risk, risk to save the time and the hassle of driving. And eventually, you do have to come down to, this is a risk, yes. It's a minimal risk. It's a risk I'm willing to run to fly to Arizona, go on a date with my boyfriend, play college football. So whatever. There's a risk to everything. Well, Audrey got into an accident. It was no fault of her own. Yeah. It was somebody else's fault because... And, you know, as a parent, you're you're upset with the other person. I'm not upset with the other person, but I just... The well, son, I mean, like the, the, she could be driving in a car and the other person could run a red light. It's no, not her yeah, fault, but the, she's part of the part of the consequence of that. The, the sun uh, was in her eyes. It's yeah. not her fault. A plane could crash because the air traffic controller's drunk. It's not the pilot's right. fault. It's not Southwest Airlines' fault. It happens. A kid could get COVID. Justin Fields could get COVID because some third string kicker has it and he's in a special teams meeting with Justin Fields. It's not Justin Fields' fault, but Justin Fields' body is made in such a way that maybe he reacts to it yeah. and 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 heaven forbid something terrible happens to Justin Fields. By the way, you can't manage the risks, you can't know everything. There's no part of that. And I kind of going to refer to something related to this in the face segment. There's no way to eliminate all risk. Why are we trying to do that? I don't know how we... I kind of... I would be curious to have a psychologist weigh in on the mindset that has overtaken a, a percentage, a big percentage, I think. We did have a kind of a psychologist Of our weigh society. In. We did have kind of a psychologist weigh in on that article I sent you. Yeah, yeah. That was really good, by well, the way. Go ahead. Have we shared that yet? No, I you think can we should. It. Yeah, we'll share it today for sure. Uh, first, let me remind you, I had a chance to uh, sit down yesterday with my friend Paul from Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. He's excited about the future and very, very thankful for all of the Spielman Hooli listeners who have ordered from Hemisphere. Uh, they have some exciting things happening at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, and we'll provide you the details of that as we uh, progress and as those things become a reality. But Paul wants you to know how much he appreciates your loyalty as customers and how much he appreciates the rave reviews of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee, which they buy direct from growers in Indonesia, in Ethiopia, in Thailand. They're adding more countries all the time. Paul's a very discerning coffee buyer. He doesn't buy just anything. It has to meet his exacting standards, and it if he offers it, it does, and that's why your reviews are 
off the hook for Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee, wow. which Mr. Spielman has become very, very, uh, a very, very big fan of. Flavored coffees. He was telling me yesterday about how he's thinking of new flavors and things like that. But for the you coffee purists, rich, deep, dark, yeah. you know, non-bitter coffee, light, medium, dark roast, they have it all. Order via HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps, and you will get a 15% off discount. Right. And don't forget about the chocolate. The chocolate is very good as well. And they have a non-GMO, keto-friendly, no-sugar chocolate. What's it's the point? called allulose. Well, it tastes great. If you're on a keto diet, you need that sweet fix. Ask them about the allulose chocolate bars. Hopefully they'll have CBD-infused chocolate soon. That's one of the things they're working on. Macy actually, without being provoked, said, man, this Hemisphere coffee is really good because I sent her with 24 Hemisphere coffees, and I bought her a Keurig because all of a sudden she's a coffee drinker. Yeah, and and Paul provided her. I know one of the flavors that he provided, Mace, was blueberry cobbler. Yeah, I should have actually tried that one. I'm gonna I'm taking Carrie out there. i got to find out. Send me the address. They'd later. love to see you. They'd love to see you for sure. Okay, so uh, do you have the story up that you were uh, talking about? Yeah. Okay, let me refer first well, of you, all. I want to save it till the faith segment. Well, it, it, this is going to take a minute, but we can save it for the. Is there any other sports things? Just that a are few, interest to you? a few little things. Ohio State basketball fans speaking right now. <laughs> uh, today, this is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, I'm sorry for I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. Uh, Malaki, I think Branham. Mm-hmm. The number one prospect in the state of Ohio for 2021. He's a six foot five shooting guard from uh, LeBron James High School, CVs. otherwise known as Akron St. Vincent St. Mary. Will make his college announcement at 2:22. Oh boy, I'm at the edge of my seat. PM 2:22 PM on 7:22. Well, you can you can uh, cover that story with the guy you're cheating on me with. Uh, we will do that on our big few good men on the Big Ten podcast tomorrow, <laughs> ten o'clock on the Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch. Yes, uh, Andy Anders and I. So uh, you're, you're so shameless and I'm it's unbelievable. Trying to make a living, brother. <laughs> Malaki or Malaki yeah. Branham. Uh, Boy, he would be a nice fit with uh, Michi Johnson, who's already in the fold. So the other day, I noticed we had it was two. What was the deal? It was oh at eight. 20 on at 8:20 p.m. on Monday it was in military time 2020 2020 great cuz military time is you know yeah, 24 hours 20 hours 20 hours at 8 p.m. so it was 2020 but Malaki Branham will make his announcement at 2:22 p.m. today keep okay. your eye on Twitter I'm or sure, better yet keep I'm your sure. eye on Parlor and hopefully they'll have the announcement. My unfaithful partner will and announce I'll, it with I'll his new partner. I'll be cheating on Spiels tomorrow at 10 a.m. on the Few Good Men on at the Big Ten podcast. It. Yes. So that's a little bit of sports news. Uh, otherwise, the only other thing, John Tortorella, Blue Jackets coach. Yes, Torts. Is in mid-season form. Don't ask him about the power play. He refused to meet with the media yesterday after a scrimmage. After a scrimmage. Must not have been so happy. Apparently, he wasn't happy. I don't know. Maybe he had a press. Maybe somebody engagement. wasn't asking about the power. But play. I just thought, okay, you're not going to meet with the guys after a scrimmage because if you're mad at one side, maybe you could be happy with the other side. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Torts may have had a pressing engagement. Maybe he had a, a dog to adopt or a dog to save or something because that's one of the things that he does. And it's a great thing that he does for the community in terms of. Uh, he and our buddy Anthony Rothman. He and Anthony Rothman. They're doing their pooches and. I tell you, man, Anthony. Pooches and pa- uh, something, they dog talk on uh, There's a fan. special kindness in Anthony. Uh, Anthony's a neat man. His, like like his, Anthony a lot. He's such a good dude, and his love of dogs oh, is my goodness. just, uh, I mean, we, we need people yeah. like that. Believe me, I love dogs too, but I not, do too. We got three of them. Not like Anthony. All right, here's an email. Podcast gmail.com. It comes from Dave, Ohio State grad now living in Pittsburgh. Hi, Dave. Hi, Chris and Bruce. I really enjoyed listening to your podcast. Can't tell you how much it resembles conversations I've had with my friends. A few weeks ago, you referred to The Chosen on YouTube, and I was able to watch and thoroughly enjoy the first four episodes. How can I watch the remaining episodes? I haven't been able to find them on YouTube and thought you might be able to help. Thanks again for the great podcast. Well, we watch them all on YouTube, Dave. And Are they so on Netflix? I don't know about that, but I do know this. Uh, I saw a Facebook post yesterday that you can buy season one of The Chosen on a DVD, and that will help fund season two. This is all crowdfunded, The Chosen. Oh, okay. 
And I'll just say, it has added texture to the Bible and stretched me in my um, thinking and in my, and not that it's theology, it's not theology, it's drama, but it does cause your mind to think about how Jesus and the disciples interacted and the personality of Jesus, the humor of Jesus, the, you know, just, it was just, it's a cool thing. And it really makes you think about Peter. It really makes you think about Matthew. It's added, I think, valuable texture for me to the Bible. So I'd highly recommend The Chosen, but we we struggled to find one episode on YouTube. Uh, I think it was episode five, but then we found a link that had every episode. So I think if you really probe on YouTube, you'll find it, but you can definitely go just Google Buy the Chosen on DVD and you'll find it, and then that'll be real easy, and you'll have it, and that'll help support uh, the future seasons. They're almost fully funded for season two on uh, YouTube. Uh, we have another email from... Wow, two emails? Well, we got more than two, but I'm just saying. We actually... This one's a long one. People actually listen? Yeah, this is a super long one. Well, that must be... Uh... About... He's got... He's refer- He's got topics here. He's got long discourses on higher education, on college football returning, on masks, on a lot of things. I will save that one. I will go through that one and pick out the highlights. Yeah, don't worry. We'll get to it. And bring it back. We will get back to it. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have a thank, uh, an email thank you from our professor at OSU. As we have chosen uh, last Friday, we chose two more of his students who's had their, who had their internships canceled. Mm-hmm. I uh, very appreciative what of that. What a cool that. professor to take the time no to doubt. invest in his students, by the way. And we have an appreciative email from Nicole for uh, her nominee being selected. Okay. So that's good. And we have more nominations pouring in. So that's really, really good. Yeah. Nominate someone for COVID-19 relief. We'll pick four names. Each will get $250 the next time we do a podcast on Friday, 724. So email those to at gmail.com. And keep in mind, Willis Spangler Starling is the attorney firm that we highly recommend because of their expertise across the board, because of their integrity, because of their character. Willis Spangler Starling, located in Hilliard with expertise in personal injury, workers' compensation. Um, you name it, they can handle it. You got issues at work. You got issues, you know, heaven forbid, hopefully not family law, but... If so, I know they can handle that as well. Willis Spangler Starling, Willis Spangler Starling, and their web address is willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. You'll go in, you'll meet with an attorney, not an associate, with an attorney, and they will hear you out and let you know where you stand. Can't recommend them highly enough, willisattorneys.com. I, you don't have to do this, but um, what it, your faith, how long was your faith portion going to be? For today? Yeah. It could be... Uh, do you uh-huh. want to just can we save your that one for today? Because Absolutely. I I want to go through this paragraph by paragraph because actually what I'm this article I'm going to read and I want you to comment on mm-hmm. it. This article I'm going to read reset me because you know I again the experience that my family's had with COVID with the the constant barrage of fear that we're surrounded yeah. with. Let me just mention one thing. Today at 11.30, a friend of mine is going in for a doctor visit. He had heart attack symptoms um, upon returning from being out of town. Uh, I had the chance to talk with him in person last night. It was a drop-in. I just dropped in at his house, and he happened to be there, and I spoke with him. And I was convinced after I left that it was definitely a prompting from God to stop in. Mm. Uh, he was He's shaken by the things that he's feeling. He's a man who's at an age where he has should have no worries about his mortality. Uh, he has a lovely family. There's some stress in his life, but he's not overweight. He's not out of shape. Uh, and this has backed him up in his tracks. I had the opportunity. I asked him if he'd mind if I prayed with him. He said no when we prayed together. And I would just like to ask you, if you're a believer, that today at 1130, if you'd put a note on your phone, just to pray for Bruce's friend, just to pray for Bruce's friend. That would mean a lot to me, and I would like to convey that to him, that he will have multiple people praying for him today. And I want to reflect on one thing. There oftentimes you hear people who have a passing familiarity with Christianity, 
or an, they, they acknowledge God in their life, but maybe they're not devoted. Maybe they're not seeking. I hear people from time to time say, God will never give you more than you can handle. Have you heard people say that, Spiels? That God will never give you more than you can handle. What do you think? <laughs> I think it is exactly No, do you opposite. think I've ever heard that? Yes, you have heard <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, In reality, it is exactly opposite of that. Not because God is mean, not because God wants to put you through it, because God uses adversity to get your attention and to call you back to him. When I've had job loss, when I've had tragedies in my family, things like that, it's been a wake-up call for me to recenter my life. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. this has opened, uh, it introduces a stop in your life, like, whoa, I was worried about this, but now this thing's come up. So I'm not saying that this applies to my friend. I'm just saying that a lot of times people will say, well, you know, I got this, but God will never give you more than you can handle. (laughs) No, he does give you more than you can handle because he wants to help you handle it. That's so true. He wants to help you handle it. It's the total opposite. You're exactly right in hindsight. But you're promised when you accept Christ that the Spirit will walk through these things with you. So yeah. that is a promise to believers. It's claimed by, sometimes it's claimed by unbelievers. And again, I'm not talking about my friend here, but I'm saying you cannot count on that relationship, which we referred to the other day, that help, that that comfort, that peace, unless you've accepted Christ. Then you can. So this is just another great reason to accept Christ. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that because I can't count on how many times I said, enough, I got the message, please, enough. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. so, well, yes. Well, I've said before, I've said it this week, Lord, what are you What are you trying to tell me? Yeah. What am I supposed to learn from this? So, again, yes, he does give you more than you can handle. It's a demonstration of his love because he wants to call you back to him. Hey, come on over here. Let me help you with that. But. You can't handle it on your own. I can help you with that, but I need you to come and pay attention to me. Now, yeah. okay. Spiel so, sent this to me, and I thought it was awesome. Well, I've actually read it every day because it recentered me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think how I describe this article that I'm about to read, and I want your comments on it, that I'm about to read um, as really... Uh, centered and refocused me and saying what and asking that question what are we doing and you know how are we making as a society our choices and our decisions yeah and this dovetails with a lot you and i have said we have talked a lot oh yeah that's a, a lot about fear this is the thing i said i said bruce this article says everything that you and i have been trying to say much more eloquently yes, yes. it does he, he he did a great job this so is a, from a catholic priest this is from a, a monsignor yes charles pope okay. um who's a priest and he says it it starts out with a verse you will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday that is psalm 91 5 through 6 and here here we go so i'm going to kind of read it by pause here and i want you Mm -hmm. to come your commentary is usually pretty excellent on these and insight is very good i write this from a perspective as priest responsible for the care of souls i do not claim to be a medical expert my pastoral concern is that we as a nation and as a church has succumbed to excessive fear which bespeaks a spiritual problem the medical concerns arising from the pandemic are not without merit but they are not unprecedented What is unique today is the collective paralysis brought on by this fear. I write to express my concern and to reiterate the constant biblical cry. Do not be afraid. Fear not. How many times do we hear that in Scripture? Fear not. Some weeks ago, I wrote here on the register about the crippling fear that seems to have seized the whole world, calling all to ponder that Jesus came to destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by fear of death, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. 
He says this, I cannot avoid concluding with many people indeed in slavery through their fear of death. That's so true. Yeah. That's when you have teachers drawing up wills. Many people are in, enslaved by their there, fear of death. It, that's so true. Uh, there seems to be no one in sight for the fear they feel, no solution other than a cure for COVID-19. Watching the news only exasperates the anxiety as the media naturally focuses on the areas where things are not going well in our fight against the virus. It has now become politicized and commercialized because fear is recognized as one of the best ways to control people, to attract viewers, and to sell products. You agree with that? I do, yeah. You get people watching, oh my goodness, this thing, what's going on? And here, buy this, it'll help you. Yeah, of course. And that, and I can't, I, I turn every time there's a alone together. I, I'm yeah, done. we're in this I'm together. Done. Yeah. I'm done that. I'm yeah. done. Yeah. Like, D-U-N, done. Yeah. What will it take to help people get their courage back? What is the end game the public officials have in mind? <coughs> will there ever be a day when we say, let's all get back to normal? Will we always have to wear a mask? Will we ever be allowed to sing, shout, or cheer in public again? Will crowds ever be allowed to gather in common areas in convention centers? Will those who go about living life normally always be shamed and called self selfish and irresponsible? I don't know, yeah. Father. I, I really don't know. Seems a long way away. Let's get into our time machine and travel back just one year. Crowds gathered freely. Airports were... Hives of activity, planes were packed with travelers, and concert halls were packed with eager listeners. Restaurants were full of diners and churches with their faithful. People shook hands, hugged, their beautiful faces uncovered for all to see. People laughed out loud, choirs sang joyfully, and stadiums erupted with cheers after a score. That was a year ago. Now so many are cowering in fear. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, this... So we're I, not alone there. They, they view every human being they encounter as a potential source of grave illness or even death. Isn't that the truth? It is the truth. The looks you get, yeah. He looks healthy, but I better stay far away because he may be carrying COVID-19. Never mind the calculation of relative risk. Every human contact might pose an existential threat. As a priest, I cannot imagine anything more demonic than this sort of fear. Satan wants us to fear and even detest one another. Our communion with one another is devastated by this extreme weariness. Isn't that is true? I mean, we we are we are becoming conditioned to expecting the worst of everyone else. I have a little story for you. I'll, I'll do it right now. And here's a, I had this happen to us last night. So before we got the call that Audrey was in an accident, Carrie and I were in this restaurant. There were probably a total of seven people in this restaurant. There was a booth outside, six feet away. There was a person sitting in the booth in front of us. Okay? Mm -hmm. It was outside. We walk over and sit in this booth because we wanted to sit outside yeah. on this porch. This couple got up and moved <laughs> tables. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Freak shows. I, I, I said that out loud. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Back to... Yes, this eloquent post from the father. But father, this is a very different virus. It's extremely potent. We have to do this. Again, I'm neither a doctor nor a scientist, but I am a priest. And as such, I think we must count the other costs. There is more to life than just getting just not getting sick and not dying. People have lost their jobs, food production has dropped, and famine is just around the corner in some parts of the world. Routine medical care has been largely suspended. Important human events like weddings, funerals, and sacraments and enriching cultural events have been curtailed, if not prohibited. Schools have closed and few have permitted or have had the courage to reopen. There is a cost to these losses as well. Amen. We have been through a tough flu season before without shutting down the country. I remember in 1968, a terrible year for many reasons. The Hong Kong flu was raging. 100,000 Americans died from the flu that year. My grandfather was a doctor and warned us about it, but neither the country nor the world shut down. The sick were isolated and the vulnerable were given heightened protection. I remember seeing quarantine signs on the doors of some of the houses in my neighborhood. If someone had the flu, the entire household was ordered to stay inside for two weeks. 
and that very visible sign was placed on the front door. Meanwhile, the healthy went about their work and life continued. Yes, the death toll was high, but everyone understood that life had to go on. Years ago, there were so many dangerous illnesses to be afraid of. Uh, cholera, cholera. Cholera, smallpox, tuberculosis, polio. It takes courage to live, and people of that time had that courage. In the current pandemic, which is admittedly severe, we have quarantined the healthy along with the sick, the resilient along with the vulnerable. Crippling fear has seized so many people, and at some point, fear begins to feed on itself. We have shut down our economy, depriving many of their livelihoods, of their dignity that comes from working, from using their talents, from providing for their families. Mm. In the church, collectively speaking, we, have, we too have cowered and capitulated. We have not summoned people to trust in, in their faith. We have hidden our teachings on the role of suffering and bringing forth holiness and future glory. We have not presented the theology of death and dying at a time when it is most needed. We have limited, even denied the sacraments to the faithful, conveying that the silent message that physical health is more important than spiritual health. In some dioceses, churches were locked, confessions forbidden, and Holy Communion inaccessible. Some priests who tried to supply Holy Communion to the faithful in a creative manner were criticized by liturgists and bishops. Some tried offering outdoor drive-in masses were met with rebuke. In some cases, masses were forbidden by local authorities and many backed down in the face of this external pressure. While we could not recklessly disregard civil ordinances, too many of us were content to hunker down and forego public mass. He's holding himself and the church accountable. Yeah. We would not utter the biblical cry, do not be afraid, out of fear of being called insensitive or irresponsible. Yeah, boy, that's so true. The situation is unprecedented in our lifetime. So it is understandable that we struggled at first with what to do prudently, but now we must reflect all that has happened and resolve to never again allow a governor or a mayor dictate whether, when, or how we may give the sacraments. Even if government officials can forbid large gatherings, it does not follow the sacraments cannot be provided all via other means. I never refused communion to anyone who asked me during this time. I merely gave them Holy Communion outside the public mass. I also continued to hear confession in church throughout the period, grateful that my bishops never forbade it or demanded that I lock the church. What then is to be our role as we go forward? Some universities and public schools have announced that they will not reopen for normal in-person instruction in the fall. We Will we simply follow along and refuse to reopen our, our private Catholic schools, or will we say to our faithful that it's time to go forth into a world that has never been and never will be risk-free, Balancing the needs of, of all against our fear of death. Balancing the needs of all against our fear of death. How long will we continue to offer public masses in the current limited fashion? Masks hide the beauty of human uh, visage? Visage, yeah. Visage and subtleties of our expressions. We will return to seeing one another smile from laugh and cry. Will we go back to shaking hands, hugging, touching one another? Will I be able to offer a Mass without retreating immediately back into the sacristy? Will parishioners be able to mingle and chat after Mass rather than running straight to their cars? What is our endgame? Prudence has its place. But my concern as a pastor and a physician of souls is that we are allowing an unrelenting fear to drive our response, Governor DeWine, until we, as the church— He didn't say Governor DeWine, I did. No, I'll say it too, Governor DeWine. Until we as a church confronting the situation and man up as Christians should, fear will mask. Thank God for you, yeah, Father. Boy, he's bl bless this man. <laughs> I'm so excited to read this. <laughs> confronting the situation and man up as Christians should, fear will masquerade as prudence. And folks like me who question whether we've gone too far will be called irresponsible and even reprehensible. Yeah, well, get in line. I've been called that uh, this week. Yeah. For and Bruce, you've been called that many, <laughs> many times. times this week. <laughs> many times, I assume it's out there in those Twitter mentions. I don't read. For, yeah, it is because I read them for you. <laughs> for the time being, follow the recommended precautions, but ask yourself, when will this end, and who will get to decide that? The church, each one of us, has a role to play in ending the fear that this pandemic has set loose. COVID nineteen can undoubtedly be a serious illness, but contracting it is far from an automatic death sentence. 
However, getting sick and even eventually dying is part of living in this world. Getting sick, eventually dying, is part of living in this world. It's not just part of it. It's it an, is. It's yeah. an inevitable part of living right. in this world. Right. Um, some will call me insensitive for even mentioning this truth, but our parents, grandparents, and more distant ancestors were uh went forth daily into a world that was a far more dangerous than anything we have ever experienced. They live life accepting both its blows and its blessings. What about us today? Is God no longer with us? Are sickness and death the worst fate, or is a crippling fear a far more painful and dehumanizing sentence? Yes. Isn't there more than living than just not dying or getting sick? Will we, will we as a church be part of this conversation, or we will remain fearfully silent? Will we simply reflect the beliefs and opinions of the current culture, or will we influence it with theology that insists that suffering and death have meaning and, and an important role in our lives? Last paragraph. No doubt some readers will think me imprudent, irresponsible, and insensitive. I accept that. But my take is, is that fear is far more serious than the ailment of COVID-19. Life is risky, but there is greater ruin for us if we do not accept it and live anyway. At some point, we have to break out of the huddle and run the play. God will be with us. Ah, amen. Amen and amen. Uh, maybe that. you can, I don't know, can we post that on, uh, if somebody wants to re read that? Yes, we will post that. On, on our We Tackle or whatever. Yes, we will post that. Uh, see, on reading that, I feel I feel energized because he too. said what I've been thinking uh, since two weeks after I made my public service announcement. I know. I I I just think that captures it all. That death, the risk of death, and he makes an important point: the Bible extols suffering. First Peter talks repeatedly about us being aliens and strangers in the world. You ask me, I can't identify the mindset. Well, we can't identify the mindset because it's like the people who are gripped by fear are speaking a foreign language to you and me because we do not white-knuckle our existence. And Peter says, you are called to suffer. Now, you may suffer physically with COVID. You may suffer from criticism from people who don't understand why you appear to be uncaring, unfeeling, putting me at risk, all those kinds of things. And again, I'm okay with wearing masks in stores. I'm willing to do that. It's a small compromise. I've struggled with it. I don't think it's constitutional for the government to require it. It's fine for Kroger to require it, Menards, Costco, Walmart. Many stores are requiring it. I will not be civilly disobedient in that. I will be, con I will be respectful of my fellow man, even while I feel it's silly. Even while I feel it's silly. So I'm not unwilling, uncaring. But this father hit it on the head, I thought, in every aspect. How I feel about this and that I believe and I know. I don't just believe it. I know it in my heart. God's in control of my life. Yeah. And there are many promises in the Bible that you can hold on to at a time like this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. I want to say this. And since we're very open and honest on this podcast, for 12 years, I lived in fear. And by living in that fear, and I've had this talk with my children, I regret that because I felt like I lost my 30s. You lost a chunk of your life, a decade plus to, of your life uh, to fear yeah understand never ever 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 happen again so you want to know why i'm adamant because and why i should understand the fear and that why i'm passionate about you don't have to be afraid you don't have to you don't have to it's going to be okay my whole mindset how i approach life has changed. I choose no longer to exist in this life. I choose to live this life. Why have this life? Yeah. 
Amen to that, brother. So that's our podcast for today. A reminder that auiinfo.com is your resource for HR questions, for health insurance questions. You have many questions as a small business owner. auiinfo.com licensed to service every small business in the state of Ohio, every big business in the state of Ohio. But they're a small business themselves, and they understand the nuances of what you're trying to do, ramping back up amid a challenging era with constant barrage of new rules and regulations from the state. You may be lost. You may be wondering, do I have the time to devote to this? No, I got payroll to do. I got ordering to do. I got scheduling to do. Let AUI take that off your plate. Uh, a great company. Chrissy, I just, she's a superstar. So Steve, so's Julie. Remember the name. Click on their site. Find out what they can do for you. AUIinfo.com. AUIinfo.com. We will be back Friday with another edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. We will give away $1,000 in COVID-19 relief. We appreciate your loyalty and listening to the podcast. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at We Tackle. Follow our Facebook page. I will post that link that Chris just read on the Spielman and Hooley Facebook page. We thank you for watching on Facebook Live. If you're uh, not busy tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., watch me and Andy Anders on the a few good men on the Big Ten podcast on the Chris Landry Football Twitch channel. And you can find that podcast at LandryFootball.com. Everyone have a blessed day. Mr. Spielman, you're not in any danger of being Wally Pipped. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Okay? Yeah. Well, thank you for Michael sharing Douglas that. stepped out with Glenn Close. <laughs> if you get what I mean so there, rabbit, I don't know if you know There'll be a know rabbit that. boiling on my stove if I do. <laughs> Everybody have a great day. We'll talk to you Friday.